You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. Listen, uh, I want to tell you something about submarines tonight. Uh, just a little thing about submarines. I heard a minister one time talk about submarines, so I did some research on submarines. And what I found out very simply is, is that submarines are built with two holes. And they have an outer hole that's supposed to be the sleek part, you know, that makes it look cool. You know, that's kind of our outer hole, right? For some of us, I quit being cool a long time ago. But um, some of you are still cool. But, uh, but that's, the, that's the outer hole. But there's an inner hole inside a sub that is pressurized and, and protects the crew uh, from the pressure of the ocean, and that's what allows it to go deep, deep into dark, deep, deep places and not collapse. Not just be collapsed like a tin can. We know if there's a, if there's a pinprick through those two holes, especially that inner hole, the whole thing, it, it, the ocean, when they get to certain depths, would collapse it into almost nothing. That whole sub, that big old massive sub, that's how much pressure is on it. And, you know, I begin to think about this, that it's the inner hole, not the outer hole, that protects the crew and that creates an atmosphere inside of there that's equal to what's on land. And so, you know, I think about what we need to have on the inside of us to handle pressure and to handle um, what's going on in the world. Handle going into deep places and sometimes dark places and be able to, to successfully navigate through those. It's going to take something on the inside of us to handle the pressure that the world and our enemy, Satan, puts on us. And sometimes we put on ourselves. Sometimes we put it on ourselves. Sometimes we're hanging on to that or we're putting that pressure on ourselves. And God wants us to have this inner, inner uh, relationship with him that is stronger than the pressure. We can handle the pressure. Submarines go deep, come right back up, man. And Man, they aren't damaged. They aren't hurt. No, one, no one's hurt because they can handle the pressure with the inside of them, the inner hole. And so I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about a man that was under extreme pressure. And I'm still talking about the wisdom of God, and that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, and how fear, the fear of God manifests in our life. And last week we talked a little bit about holiness, last Wednesday. This week we're talking about obedience. That when you actually walk in the fear of God, you obey. So we're going to look at Noah. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to put it up on the screen. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. We're not going to read all these scriptures. So it said, Now it came to pass when the men, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them. Next verse. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now we've talked about that before. That they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves, all of whom they chose. Next verse. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. This is when God said uh, he's put a limit on how old a man or a woman could be, a person, a human being could be. Because they were living hundreds and hundreds of years 
up until this point, and God said, okay, i got to put a limit on this because man is flesh, and there's going to be stuff happening. He said, there were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Now, we're getting over into parts where God's talking about there's some demon stuff taking place here. There's a lot of demonology taking place here, uh, or demon, demonizing of human beings taking place right here on the earth. Next verse. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Listen, a demon, I'm going to just give you a principle. I've taught this before. Demons need a host. That's why the demons, when they were cast out of the the man-man of Gadara, that he had a legion of demons in him, they asked to go into the pigs because they have to have a host in order to function. And we're hearing this word, I think it's really interesting, the word avatar. You know, in the movie Avatar, this man somehow through this machine take, gets his soul and spirit transferred into the body of one of the natives on this planet. It's cool science fiction, but now we're seeing avatars in games. We're seeing avatars in uh, AIs using avatars. And I, I really believe that some of this is super cool, but I also believe that our minds are being conditioned to accept the fact that something else lives in someone else. And so we just need to be cautious. Amen? Just need to be careful. We need to have some discernment that that doesn't get out of control. But that's what's happening on the earth. That's why every intent of, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually because now demons have, have integrated with human beings. And we talked about in our End Times series that even the DNA of people was changing. That's why they had mighty men of renown. Next verse. And the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Next verse. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Next verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Next verse. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Hold it. Go back. Thank you. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Say that with me, please. Noah walked with God. Say it one more time. Noah walked with God. Let's stop right there. Noah walked with God. You know, we have another example in Genesis of Enoch. He walked with God too. He met with God daily and walked with God. What does that mean? That they had this personal, intimate relationship that they walked together. Amos 3.3 says, unless two agree, how can they walk together? Noah was in agreement that God was God, and he was going to be in agreement with God, and that's how they could walk together. That's how Noah walked with God. He said, I believe God. I believe everything God says and does, and Subsequently, my my wife or my life is like a walk with God. I'm walking with God because I'm following God. I'm 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 listening to God. I'm doing what God says to do. We know Enoch had such a great relationship with God. God just took him right off the planet. He never even faced physical death. Not yet. 
And so Noah's got this same relationship with God. He's walking with God. And because of that, he found grace and favor with God. And we know the story that, uh, you know, a flood's about to come and kill everybody. Except Noah and his family. We'll find out why here in just a moment. Can we go, uh, I think, can we go all the way down to verse 11? Or do we have to roll through that? Oh, there we go. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Filled with violence. You know, it's funny how much violence is in our movies now. How much violence is in video games. How much violence we see around the world. In our cities, everywhere. Violence, violence, violence. Many of us carry guns. Because there's so much violence or threat of violence that men, we're armed. Our wives are armed. We're armed. My whole family's armed. Because there's, there's this sense of violence all around us, and the spirit of violence is, gets released when people cooperate with Satan who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to sow violence. So the whole earth, the earth is corrupt and filled with violence. When it talks about corruption here, it's talking about, again, that there's their spirits are corrupted. Their minds are corrupted. Even their flesh, I said DNA was changing, even their flesh is corrupted. That means it's God's original design is being perverted on the earth. And guess what? It's the whole earth except one man, Noah. What does he have that he can handle the pressure? You know how, much, you know how weird Noah must have been to them? No one must have been a weirdo to the world. Here's this guy. The whole world's full of violence. It's corrupted. Sexuality is everywhere. I mean, these, it's crazy. Demons are having sex with people. I mean, it's nuts inhabiting and changing. And all this is going on, and everybody's in on it except Noah. Because he has an inner hole that he can handle the pressure because he walked with God. Noah had a reverence and a respect and a fear of the Lord that he would rather obey God than yield to the pressure of the world. We face pressure. Some of you are the only Christian at your job. Some of you are the only Christian in your family. And so you understand some of the pressure to be the only one. But Noah is the only one on the whole earth. You can still come to church and have people like-minded and not be alone. Because there's other Christians in the room, and if they're not Christians, at least at church they act like it. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? And so, you know, so you have this, this press, you have this presence, but Noah, can you imagine being the only single Christian in the whole world in the pressure they put on Noah to act like them? You're talking about cultural pressure. We act like this is the worst it's ever been. This is not the worst it's ever been. Now, the Bible says there's coming a day that the end times are going to be like the days of Noah. So we got to get our inner hole. we got to get our, our inner man, our spirit man, strong to handle the pressure. We've, we need to learn to walk with God. And I'm going to say this to you. You can't walk with God, with His holiness, his, and be obedient to God without walking in a great respect and reverence and fear of God. 
Noah feared God more than he feared man. He wanted God's approval more than he wanted man's approval. And the whole world was against him. Now, they already think he's weird, but they're going to think he's really weird here in a moment. I don't know what verse this is. What verse are we on here? Is that, is that 11? Go to 12. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. All the flesh. All the flesh. Everybody. Now, go with me to verse 13. Next verse. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Next verse, verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Verse 15. Verse 15. Is that verse 15? And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. So he starts to tell him, okay, you're going to make an ark. You know how much Noah knew about an ark? Nada. Zero. He knew zero about an ark. He'd never seen an ark. And then God tells him he's going to cause a flood. You know how many, you know how much Noah knew about a flood? Nada, because he'd never seen a flood. He told him it's going to rain. You know how much Noah knew about rain? Nada. He'd never seen any rain. So God asked Noah to do something that he's never seen. How do you know that, Pastor Troy? Well, the Bible tells us, go with me to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11, verse 7 says this, faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming. So we know he knew what was coming, even things that he had never, had never been seen. So these are things that had ne- the Bible tells us. Noah had never seen any of this. You're talking about a step in faith. He'd never seen any of it. None of it. Not an ark, not rain, not a flood. But he believed God and he trusted God more than he did people. And it goes on to say this, but he stepped out in reverent obedience. Here we go. The fear of the Lord, when someone really fears God, they are obedient to God. You know, I remember one time I was doing a baptism, and people came back, and we were in this room over here, and we are over there, and uh, somebody stepped up to me and said, hey, pastor, I've talked to him about baptism, I don't know, I think probably Brother Richard, and he said, they're not married. They're living, they're living in sin. They're living in fornication. They're, they're, they're having sex outside of marriage. They're living together outside of marriage, and, and, you know, we don't baptize people when they're living in absolute sin like that. I mean, so... You know, we're not mad about it, mad at them or ugly to them. We, I, so I pulled them aside and I said, guys, listen, we love you so much. We're so glad you want to get baptized. But baptism is saying that you've surrendered your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said, well, we have. And I said, well, listen, you guys aren't, you guys aren't married. And I remember they looked at each other and said, you're right. Didn't, didn't get offended. That's how I knew they knew Jesus. They didn't get offended because they, it was the truth. So they didn't get offended, and they looked, and they said, can we talk for a second? I said, sure. So they talked for a moment, and 
they came back up to me holding hands and said, Pastor Troy, will you marry us right now? We want to get it right right now. We didn't realize this was holding us back. We want to get it right right now. I said, okay. We're going to do a wedding right now? Yep. And then we're going to do a baptism right now? Yep. So we did a wedding and a baptism in that room, and I got in trouble with the, the county clerk. Not our current county clerk, the old county clerk. And she called me. We did that on, I think, a Sunday. She called me on Monday and said, Pastor Troy, what are you doing? You can't do a wedding before they file for a license. I said, you know what? I said, you're right, but can I say something to you? The government didn't institute marriage. God did. And I said this to him. I said, I said, you know, I know that we should get, you know, because they were down there getting a license. That's why she called me. And she's like, well, when you get married, we've already been married. Where at? Church on the move. Oh, that Pastor Troy. So I said, I said to her, I said, I said, listen, I don't care if it's Christmas Day. I don't care if it's Valentine's Day. I don't care if it's President's Day and your office is closed. If someone wants to get things right with God, I'm going to marry them right then on the spot. And I said, I said, uh, I'm not trying to be a rebel or trying to be this or that. I, I want to obey the rules and obey the law. I said, but, man, I got, there's a higher law. And I, it was so awesome. She said to me, she said, Pastor Troy, I'm going to give you my personal phone number. And I said, okay, what for? She said, I don't care if it's Christmas. She repeated me right back. Christmas, Valentine's Day, I don't care what day it is. If someone wants to get their life right with God and get married and get that right, you call me. I will leave my house on Christmas Day if I have to. I will go to the office, get a license, and bring it to you. And I said, thank God for you. And we put her to the test, and she came through. Because we did put her to the test, I think only one time. But she went, left her house, went to the office, because someone said, man, we don't have a license. I said, oh, I got that covered. <laughs> I got that call. I called and said, hey, I need a license. She said, I told you I'd do it. She went and got a license. She, she was a woman of her word, and she did it. She's Christian, so she's like, I get it. Thank God for Christians in office, right, in the places of authority. But, you know, out of reverent obedience to God, uh, it says this, but he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. When you really believe in God and you really know he is the God of the universe, the God Almighty, man, there's something about you that you just want to be obedient. When I meditated on this today, when I was praying about what to preach on and what I was going to preach on, I meditated and said, God, if there's ever been a time that I haven't been obedient to you, I ask your forgiveness. And Father, if there's any way I can make it right, show me. Just help me make it right. I just want to make it right. Because God, I, I reverence you. I love you. And, I, and man, I, I just want to make things right with you anytime I can. Let's, let's look at this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Let's go to that. That verse, I think it's verse 22. Genesis 6, 22. If we can get that up there, that'd be great. Thank you. Thus Noah did according to, what's that next word? All that God commanded him, so he did. Noah did all of it. He gave him specific instructions on the ark. The ark is about a football and a half field long. 
So take a football field, another 50 yards or whatever. That's how long the ark is. It's four stories high. Someone recreated it someplace in Indiana, Illinois, someplace. They say it's super cool to go see it. I've not seen it. Have you guys seen it? Is it cool? You haven't seen it? Who's seen it? Anybody seen it? You've seen, see, Miss Sandy, you've seen it? Is it cool? It's awesome. So I've always wanted to go see it, but someday I'll, I'll, I'll go see it. But it's, I mean, he made this ark. He never made an ark. He'd never seen anybody make an ark. He'd never even seen probably a boat. Now he's got to make a, a boat four stories high and 150 yards long. But God told him to do it, and he did it. It took him 120 years. It took him 120, him and his kids, 120 years to build that ark. What was he doing in between there? Let me tell you what Noah was doing. Go with me to 2 Peter. I believe it's 2 Peter. Chapter 2, verse 5. And we're going to find out some of the things Noah was doing. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it says this, And he did not spare the former world in the days of Noah when he sent a flood to destroy a depraved world. Although he protected Noah, the preacher of righteousness, along with his seven members of his family. So what was Noah doing when he wasn't building the ark? He was a preacher of righteousness. Do you know what that tells me? That I don't care what secular job you have, God still expects you to be a preacher of righteousness. He expects every opportunity that he gives you, that, you, that people uh, approach you, that doors open, that you, you walk in them. You might be building something or have another job and you need to be really good and do that as unto God. You need to do it like you're working for God. Not for man. To do it with excellence and be the best worker and be the, the most teachable and be the best employee. But when God opens the door for you to minister, he expects us to walk right through it. Noah built the ark all day long, and then I guess at night he went and preached. Or while he was building, he's like, hey, there's this thing called the flood coming. And uh, you guys might think about repenting. Because God's coming, and he's not happy with how you guys have been acting. And you know, not one other person got saved. But you know who did get saved? Who's it say got saved? His family. If, only, if the only thing you ever do is lead your family to Jesus, and they get saved too, man, we have a new ark, and it's not 150 yards long, and it's not four stories high. It's, it's, it, it can contain every human being on the planet. The new ark is called the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's open. The ark is open for people to get on the ark and be saved from the wrath of God. And so he's preaching righteousness to people. I heard one preacher say he only had a three-word sermon. It's a flood. That's it. It's a flood. Whatever that means, it's a flood. You better get on this boat. But he was preaching righteousness while building the ark, and that's all of us while we're building our lives and doing what God called us to do for a job and for a living and paying our bills. He still wants us to be ministers of righteousness. But I, I love it that Noah did all. You know, when you really walk in the fear of God, 
everything he deals with you about, you do. And it's very dangerous, church. Let me, let me say this to you. It is extremely dangerous to not, to put things off that you're supposed to do. Can you put 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 up there? I'm going to end with this tonight. Okay, there we go. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. How do we honor him when he tells us to do something we do it? Then he has a but or another and. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That word despise means to treat God lightly. It's the same thing. Otherwise, what you sow, you reap. So if God says, hey, you need to get married and get that right, and you say, well, maybe next year. You treat him lightly? He said he's going to treat you lightly. That's why some people don't get their prayers answered. Man, they're like, why isn't God blessing me here? And why isn't God doing this? And why isn't God doing that? What has God dealt with you about? If you treat him with no esteem and that you treat him lightly, he said, I'll treat you lightly. But if you honor me, I'll honor you. Wow. Wouldn't it be awesome to have God honor you? But he's waiting for us to sow that seed of honor. That when he says, hey, stop doing this, we go about stop doing it. When he says, start doing this, we set our hearts to start that. And it might be a process. This is what I love about God. He's a God of the heart. So I remember when I decided, I'm going to stop drinking. He honored that from that moment on. He began to bless my life. Because he knew that I had made a decision in here, in the inner hole. That I wasn't giving in to the pressure of the world anymore. Because I was walking with God. I feared God and I loved God. And I wanted to obey God. And it took me time to process out of that. But he honored my decision because he knew this was a done deal. It might have taken me a year or two, but it was a done deal when I made a decision. This is leaving my life. And when I decided to go to church, I, mean, I decided to not miss a church service right after I got saved. I'm like, okay, I'm never missing church again. And I made that decision. So whether it's, it's removing something that's dragging you down or adding something to your life that God wants to bless you through, man, if you'll honor God and be quick to do it and do it fast and don't miss opportunities. And if you've missed an opportunity and you know God's dealing with you right now, that he said, hey, five years ago I told you to make this change. And you still have it and you're paying the price for it. Man, I, I just love God. He's a God of a second chance. If you'll say, God, I am so sorry. I've treated you lightly. I've despised your word. I haven't treated you right. You're not first in my life, but right now, you're first, God, and I'm going to go about making these changes, and I'm going to do it right now. I'm not putting it off any longer, because I'm going to honor you, and, and God, I don't know what you honoring me looks like, but I know that must be awesome. So I'm going to honor you with my life, and I'm going to set about getting some things right. Don't lightly esteem God. Don't do it. Because he said, if you sow that seed towards him, you'll reap a harvest back. He'll lightly esteem you. But if you'll honor God and say, God, man, you tell me to do it, I'm on it. I'm on it. You know, he says, he says, if you're giving an offering and you've got a problem with somebody, you got a real 
issue with them. You're walking in unforgiveness, something's up. He said, leave the offering. You know, even good things, we can try to replace what God's telling us to do with good things. He said, immediately, everybody say immediately. He said, immediately leave it and go immediately and get it right. Then come back and give it. He, he said, there's even good things you can substitute. Like somebody might say, well, God, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to do this over here. I'm going to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this over here, but, I, but this over here I'm not going to do. And he'll even give you, Satan will even give you good things to do. The world will give you good things to do. Even you will say, well, I'm, I'm still doing good, God. But let me tell you something. Your good becomes sin when you don't do what God told you to do. And you try to substitute. Don't substitute something good for something God's already told you to do. Be obedient to that. If he's dealt with you, hey, man, start reading your Bible. Man, just, just quit putting it off. Say, well, God, I'm getting ready for work. Or I'm, I got this. I'm doing good. I'm getting my kids. I got this going on. No, he's not going to receive that excuse. If you truly fear him and want to walk in the wisdom of God, you want to walk in the goodness of God, you want to walk in the blessings of God, let's honor him. When he speaks, do. Your second question to God, when he speaks to you and says, hey, Mandy, do this, your next question should be, when? When do you want me to do it? He says, now, you do it now. He says, wait, I got timing. There's a timing. But when the door opens, you walk through it. When that door opens, you walk through it. And, and you say, okay, God, when you show me when, I'm on it. He told Noah, right now, start. He started right now. God wants to give us a discernment, like Mary and Martha, that we know the timing. We understand his commandments. And we know, man, we're going, we purpose in our hearts, God, we're going to honor you. When we don't, we'll ask you to forgive us, and we'll get right back on that track and say, okay, I'm, I'm back, I'm back here. I'll do everything to get this right. Every head bowed and eye closed, here and online. I just want you to think for a moment. Just take a moment, just think. Those who know God already, Think about, and say, you know, even take a moment to pray and say, God, I, if I miss something, don't beat yourself up either. It's not about being condemned or beat up. No, just, just um, ask Him to forgive you and ask Him to help you to perform it. He'll help you. He'll help you to do it. Just don't put off what he's asking you to do, what he's commanded you to do. And then there's those in this room, you don't know God at all. But he's real. And he, he, he loves, he created relationships and he wants to have a relationship with us. And it blows my mind that the God that spoke the universe into existence and created everything that Created all the good in the world. He wants to have a relationship with us, with you and me. And he wants it to be personal. That's amazing to me. And when there was no way for that to happen, God made a way. And he came in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and he died for our sins. He made a way. He built a bridge between us and him. 
Jesus' holy blood for our sinful blood. And he's offering you a way across. He's saying, listen, my hand of mercy's out. Receive my mercy. I love you so much, and I love it that God's mercy outweighs his justice, outweighs his judgment on people. It, his mercy outweighs. That's why Noah survived. Because God's mercy on mankind was greater than his judgment, and that's why human beings survived. And His mercy outweighs His judgment on you. And He wants to give you mercy. He wants to show you mercy. He wants to save your life from eternal death. From a place that's real called hell. And He wants to grant you entrance to a place that's just as real, it's, but it's greater. It's called heaven. And instead of eternal death, He wants to give you eternal life. Instead of being a slave to sin in this world, He wants to set you free so that you actually have a choice instead of being controlled. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is the truth. Jesus is the Lord. He not only died for your sins, but He rose from the dead, and He's alive, and He's a God of life, not death. That's why He wants to save you from death. And he wants to give you a life. He said, I came to give life and abundant life. He's talking about this life right now and beyond. So if you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Surrender your life to Jesus. Trust him. not only save you, He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you, grow you, help you discover your destiny, why you were created, your purpose. Help you in the hard times and the good times. He'll always be with you. He'll forgive you of your sins. deliver you from evil. Maybe you have prayed. You ran away from home. You just need to come home. Let's come home. Just run home. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you need to pray and get right with God. You want to get right with God tonight. He brought you here. He brought you online so that you could hear this. He brought you here so you could hear this. Because he loves you. He wants to save your life. So if that's you, your first time, your next time, you need to pray and get right before you leave here, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Here's the first one. On the count of three, just to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I, I need to get right with God. And then after that, we're going to pray. The second thing is we're going to pray right where you're seated. Here we go. One, two, three, just raise your hand up high and say, it's me. Thank you. 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 Oh, thank you. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, all over the room. Praise God, thank you. God bless you. Let's all pray, thank you. I see that hand raised. Let's all pray right now, come on. Let's all pray together. Online, let's pray too. Online, send us a message. I prayed for the first time or the next time. But right now, let's pray. Say this, say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe you love us and you sent Jesus to build a bridge 
to make peace between us, between me and you. And Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. I believe that. And he's the only way to you, to heaven, to freedom, destiny, purpose in this life. I believe it all. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I give my whole life to you. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, teaches me, guides me, and instructs me how to live for you. Until I see you in heaven, thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for how good He is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.